Amen. Welcome to church. Isn't it just great to be in the house of God? You know, as I was over here just worshiping and I was thinking about Spirit of God, breathe on your church. It, you know, heal our land. You know, I believe that every week in my life that my sole desire is that God would hide me behind the cross and that we would fill the Spirit of Almighty God and that we would all walk away refreshed knowing that God is doing a work in each and every person, each and every one of our lives. When I was thinking about this message that was kind of stirred and sparked, the beginning of the week when I was actually in Sam's Club, the Holy Spirit had spoke to me through a couple that I had encountered, and I'll be sharing that with you. But I believe that this message is a message that's so relevant for each and every one of us because I believe that many of us feel that we are not enough. We feel like we're just not enough. And it's probably because of the curses and the abuse of our past. It's because of the little dude or the little girl that was out on the playground that harassed us and bullied us. And that made us feel like we just weren't enough. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was, you know, a relative that always made you feel that you weren't enough. I know through my journey that I have felt at different timelines in my life that I just wasn't enough. I thought, too, that when God called me to preach, that I wouldn't be enough. And I would ask myself questions like, why in the world would you call me? I'm inadequate to deliver what you want me to deliver. And it was at that time that the Holy Spirit started to speak to me and said, It's not about you, Todd. It's about God. See, you were crafted. You were created. You are a workmanship. You are a work of Almighty God. You see, Todd, I formed you. I created you. It doesn't matter what you say, how you look. I will let your mouth, your lips... Communicate to the hearts of people. I actually beat myself up and at one point I'm like, but what about if somebody asks me that deep theological question? I mean, deep theological questions. Sanctification, justification. They're three in one. Do you believe in... Pre-trib, post-trib, after-trib, every other trip. I said, all I know is I'm on a trip. That's it. (laughs) And then I realized it doesn't matter what Todd has to say. It matters what God has to say. And that we have to rest in the fact that we are enough. And when I looked into the Scriptures, and if you would please turn with me, we're going to start off. God laid this on my heart and wasn't part of my notes, but it's in John chapter 6. It's in John chapter 6, and 
You know, we're right here on, on the, in the midst of Passover season. And yet Jesus is doing His work and He's with the disciples. And I love what He does here because the disciples, I really do believe that they don't feel that they're enough for Him. And they're always questioning Him and they, they were questioning somewhat their faith as well. And in John chapter 6, here's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I could probably go through all 50-some verses, but I won't do that this morning for sake of time. And I want to make sure that we get everything in that God wants delivered today. And in John chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And there was a great following or a great multitude that followed him. Because they saw his miracles. Because they saw his signs. It's amazing to me how that Jesus was always demonstrating the signs of his father and miracles were taking place. Yet the 12 disciples that were with him did not always see nor encounter or or believe, if I should say, what was taking place. It says here, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company or great following come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread and that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip's answered him and said, yeah, but it's going to cost so much money. It's going to cost us 200 denarii. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. But here's one of his disciples who spoke up. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, oh, but there's just a little dude over here. A little lad, which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? There's just too many people here. 5,000 people. Now today, we're close to 5,000 in the sanctuary. We have the kingdom listening. I don't know, you know, so I figured I'd add that in there. So, and, uh, you know, so with, with 5,000 listening, he's saying, do we have enough? For them, in verse 10, said, Jesus said, make all of the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sitting there, sitting down, and likewise to the, of the fishes as much as they would have. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, gather the fragments that remain, that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with five fragments of five barley loaves, which he remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into this world. They were saying, wait a minute, I think at this point, they were saying, look, this is, this is demonstrated by the prophet that the Messiah that's come into this world. And so we, we can go ahead, and I want you to look over, if you would, please. Um, let me go to verse 31. 
Let's look at verse 31 of John chapter 6. Our fathers did eat man in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life into the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never, ever thirst. It's interesting to me because here was a little dude. Here was a little lad. And Jesus, again, is demonstrating that, listen, it doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how qualified you are. I will prove to you that my father can change the heart of anybody. It doesn't matter what hang up you have, what habits you're going through, what hurts you've been through. You are more than enough. And so Jesus demonstrates that by doing what? Taking the fish, taking the bread, multiplying it. And then it says in the scripture that there was more than enough. That's what I loved about what it was saying here. There was more than enough because that's how God blesses us. When you think there's not enough money in your bank account, oh, there's more than enough. When you think there's no food in your cabinet, oh, there's more than enough. When you think that spiritually you're on E, oh, there's more than enough. When you feel like you just can't make it any longer, that you're at your end in your relationship and in your marriage, oh, church, I'm here to tell you that there's more than enough. God's provisions are overflowing because the Bible says that God shall supply all my needs according to His Riches in glory. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is full of golden streets. Gates of pearl. I mean, it's a place of beauty. And there is so much from the throne room of God that He wants to pour out on your life if you'll just accept it. We have limited our potential. We have limited the power of God. Who was the little lad? I don't know. It was probably the little dude that got bullied in the playground, that maybe got abused by a relative, that maybe got persecuted by other people. But then he realized in the midst of the Messiah, Jesus, there he was with his little lunchbox. And God gave more than enough. What a testimony of God's grace in his life. Y'all remember the song, I can't get no satisfaction, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, right. I, I knew all of you, I knew you would all do that. Now, let me just tell you this, even though we know the Rolling Stones wrote that song, we know that we've heard it. And other, other songs came out of that. We know that that's kind of a fleshly song. But what I learned from that song, and as I was thinking of this message and God put it together, it hit me. We can't get satisfaction the way we want it. The only hope that we have 
is feeling satisfied by being in the center of the will of God. You can try, you can try, you can try. No, 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 no. You cannot do it on your own. Only, only when you place your life in the center of God's will and in His life will you ever find satisfaction. Will you ever be satisfied when you're in the center of God's will? A little girl went to visit her grandmother for the weekend. Her grandmother went to an old-fashioned church that kept the Sabbath by forbidding anybody to work or anybody to have fun, laugh, or play. The little girl woke up Sunday and started right off playing and laughing, as little girls do. Her grandmother rebuked her for breaking the Sabbath, and she quieted her down. Went to church and later went for a walk out by the barn, this little girl. She went over to an old mule, a droopy-eyed, sad-faced, long-eared mule. And she looked at the mule for a while and then said, Mr. Mule, you look like you go to my grandmother's church. (laughs) I do believe that there are some Christians that are much like that. They always seem downcast because they have never experienced the abundant life. They're like the children of Israel that wandered through the wilderness. They were freed from bondage, but they had not possessed all that God had for them. And the reason so many Christians are not experiencing abundant life is because they have become satisfied with the idea of eternal life. Or because they're focusing on the things of this world and not the things of His world. But church, there's so much more. More than we could ever imagine. There's an abundance of love, an abundance of joy, yet an abundance of peace. And more importantly, there's abundance of hope. You see, the word abundance means... More than enough. The word abundance means more than enough. And how can you have more than enough life? How can you have more than enough love? How can you have more than enough joy or hope and peace that passes all understanding? This morning, I hope I make it clear that there's more than enough. We look in the mirror. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we say, you're not enough. And many of you might say, oh, there's more than enough in there. (laughs) Oh, did I just say that? But many of us will say more than enough. That's why since I turned 50, I have to wear these vests because it like sucks everything in there. I saw a picture from last week and I got a little bit scared and had to start doing sit-ups. I said, oh, but Todd, your daughter's pregnant. You look like you're pregnant too. That was more than enough I needed to see. I'm telling you that much. Anyhow, to stay on point, I want you to think about something. It's not about the exterior. It's about the interior. It's not about the exterior. It's about the interior. He is enough. And I know I throw jokes in here and there just to add a little bit of life to to every message. But in reality, 
I've struggled with it. And this is kind of probably a personal message for me because I know where I feel insecure. I know where my inadequacies are. I know where I don't feel like I'm enough. I've looked over the ministry and said, if I was just more, that person would be here. If I, was, if I could have just said something a little bit different. But again, I was reminded, it's not about Todd. It's about God. And we have to be reminded about that in our daily walk. I'm not just saying by coming to church. If your fellowship is with your Savior, you'll start to realize that you're more than enough. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we ask that you'll just bless this message. Bless the next few minutes together. Pray that you'll bless your word. Father, thank you so much for your presence being here this morning. For the calming of the Holy Spirit that brings us life and that brings us truth. And so today, Father God, we just ask that you'll speak to our hearts. And that we'll hear what you have for us. That we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to fashion us to be more like you and less like us. In your name we pray. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, let's go there. John 10, 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the thief, I know some of you are still turning there, that the thief comes to still The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said in the red letter edition, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more... There it is again. So you can highlight that in your Bible. You can circle it. You can underline it. So we see here... That is, Jesus is speaking on, I am the good shepherd. That there is enough. Now, if you'll notice in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Awesome. Jesus Christ came. He gave his life for each and every one of us. And church, Satan has come to seek Kill, destroy, take, burglarize your life, burglarize your temple, take over so that you cannot be effective for your Savior, Jesus Christ. Point number one, the promise of abundant life. The promise of abundant life. John 10.10 here says, I want you to remember how Jesus came. Remember the virgin birth? The lowly manger? Remember the knowledge and wisdom? He possessed, even as a boy, what Jesus did. Remember the love and compassion He showed? The demonstration of power over the winds and over the waves, over blindness and sickness, over disease and death? Think about this, this Easter. Remember the pain as nails were driven into His flesh, as thorns were pounded into His skull, and until His face was painted red by His blood. Remember how his back was ripped to the bone by the soldier's whip. Remember the spear that was thrust into his side. Remember the pain and remember the agony, the ridicule, and the death. 
But most of all, we must remember His resurrection. For without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no life. All this was done to give us life. And to give us life more abundantly. As sure as He walked the earth, as sure as He healed the sick, He gave sight to the blind, raised the dead, ministered to the poor and needy, died on a Roman cross, as sure as He rose from the grave, He came to bring abundant life. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us to Him, be power, glory, and dominion. And because He came to give us abundant life, He deserves to be glorified. And how do we glorify Him? By living the abundant life that He came to give us. Could you imagine someone being invited to the supper, to an awesome supper, a banquet with the president? And the president says, order whatever you want. You can have steak, lobster, crab legs, the ultimate feast, caviar, etc. Would you settle for PB&J? Would you settle for goober grape? Could you imagine if someone said they would give you an all-expensive paid vacation anywhere you wanted to go? Would you settle going to Columbus, Ohio? Probably not. Christ came. Listen, Christ came to give us abundant life. He came to give us peace. He came to give us joy. He came to give us hope. Church, may I remind you, don't settle with just living. Don't just settle with just living. You've heard me say this, and I'll share this story again. There was a lady who was a part of this church, and and the Lord has taken her home. This was several years ago, and she just passed this past year. Actually, it's been two years now. And she said, Pastor, could you please do me a favor? I need you to come, and I want to be anointed with oil. I want you to come and, and pray over me. And I said, fine, I'll be right there. So I went to the hospital, prayed over her. Anointed her head with oil. And as I anointed her with oil, she said, we have a problem. They're telling me that I have some, something going on with my brain. They're telling me that I've had some form of an aneurysm and all this stuff is going on, so on and so forth. And, and so I'm like, oh, I was just heartbroken. And she said, that's why I passed out. And, but, you know, I've come back to life and I've had some issues. I said, well, do you believe that God has the power? Do you believe that He's more than enough? Do you believe that He has power to heal you right here, right now, in the name of Jesus? And she said, yes, I do, Pastor. That's why I called you in. I said, well, let's have a prayer meeting right here in this hospital room. So I took that anointing oil. I put it on her forehead. We laid hands on her. My wife was there. We laid hands on her and prayed over her. They came in. They did the MRI. They took all the scans. They came back to her and they said, we don't know what just took place. But something's not right with you. I think that doctor was, or x-ray technician or radiologist, I think they were bullying her. He said there wasn't something right with her. And she said, well, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. But we're seeing all kinds of activity over here, but all of this is gone. You're healed. It's history. He's like, 
I don't know what happened. Oh, but I do know what happened. And so when she called me, that's how I was inside my spirit. I was excited to see the power of Almighty God. It says the Lord is my shepherd. And it also says that my cup runs over. I was excited. That's just one story of the power of God. That's His promise to us. That there's abundant life. That God is just waiting for you to get on your knees. In the name of Jesus, we pray for Keith. That God will give him power and strength right now. That he will be delivered from the strongholds of his life because God has that kind of power and the Holy Spirit has that kind of power. But church, until you come to grips and understand that he has already promised us, he says that you have abundant life. You will have more than enough. It's like going to the grocery store. What do I get? I don't know, but then you look down in your cart and before it's all over with, you went in for three things and you had more than enough in that cart. That's how God is. There's more than enough that He wants to fill you to overflowing. God is good. Number two, the picture of abundant life. I'm going to go back. But you know, as, as this lady started to experience the peace, love, joy, and hope and answered prayer, I knew then how, just how faithful our God is. He loves us. Let's look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, the picture of abundant life. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to turn to a couple of scriptures today. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Yes, Lord. The sound system sometimes is more than enough. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Galilee and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into, into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed... And he asked them to pray that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets for a drought. He said, Cast those nets on the other side and watch what you're going to catch. Simon answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. We have gotten nothing from our efforts Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down your net. Hey, I'm going to believe in you, but I'll put it over here. Verse 6, and when, they had, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. Now, I have my NLT here, but this is a little bit bigger writing for me today. And, uh, but here's what he said was, they took and cast their nets, and there was a great mass, multitude, 
there was more than enough fish. And they beckoned unto their partners and were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James, John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, For not, from here forward you shall catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And then we're going to go right over to Psalms chapter 23. Let's do Psalms 23. I'll bring all this together for you. Psalms chapter 23, verses 5 through 6. Psalm chapter 23, 5 through 6. He said, you've prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You've anointed... You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Galatians chapter 5, we won't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 Through 23, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And here we have abundant life. And what did the Scripture say? How many fish did they catch? How many fish did they catch? More than enough. Woo! All right, praise the Lord. We're all participating here today. All right. There was more than enough. I love how good our God is. See, we sometimes limit Him and say, if you'll just take this one little thing, if you'll just do this one little thing, and He said, wait a minute here. Did you forget what I said way back there in John 10.10? There's going to be more than enough. You know, when we started the church and we're on a deck over there, 2510 4th Street. I had to remember that, that address. I looked at that deck and I thought, this isn't big enough for church. And he took us to 226 Southeast Avenue, 15 years. Actually, 13 years. Because here's what he said. I know it's not enough. But if you're faithful with little, I'll be faithful to bless you with. more than enough so he gave us 10 acres and uh, so we could see deer and wild turkey and raccoons and possums and skunks and coyotes and all other kind of fun little creatures that we have probably more than enough on this property but he doesn't think so but that's how good our God is he says listen you don't have to stop with just a little I'm going to show you what I can do in your life. And maybe in your own personal walk, in your own personal life, maybe you have felt, man, there's just not enough. But God says, oh, but there is enough. There's more than enough. So much that they needed their friends to come over. Watch what it says. 
and take some. Then we notice in Psalm 23, 5 through 6, there was a feast and his cup ran over. He received so much that it filled him and he had more to share with others. He blesses us with so much that we are able to be a blessing to what? Others. Not to save for later. But what does he bless us with? He blesses us with the fruit of the Spirit. So when we walk in him, we start to see Christ start to change our life transform our life. It says in Galatians 5 that we should have what? Self-control. We should let go of anger. Are we really supposed to have self-control? Absolutely. But yet, don't we all think that we can't? It's hard for us to have self-control. Sometimes I don't have it. You can't stop this and can't overcome that. That brings me to the next point. We saw that point number two was the picture. Point three. The problem with abundant life. Here's the problem with abundant life. The problem is we can't do it on our own. You hear me, church? We can't overcome every temptation on our own. We can't be filled with joy all the time. We can't have a peace that passes all understanding all the time when we are walking in our own strength. Didn't know I was going to end... With that, right? Did you hear what I said? You can't have all these things when you're walking in your own strength. But Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I could do all things through Christ, all things through Christ, all things through Christ, who strengthens me. And so can we, but we sometimes think of Paul and the other apostles as super saints. They were closer to Christ than we are. Well, we can have an intimate relationship with Jesus just like they had. Do you hear me? We can have an intimate relationship just like the apostles had. But you say they were filled with more of the Spirit. But church, you have to understand that every person that comes to Christ are filled with the same Spirit and with an equal dosage. When you're filled, you're filled. When you're filled, you're filled. But what about, listen, Jesus promised abundant life. He brought it. He gave it. Now we can live in him. Can you say that again, Pastor? Well, certainly. Jesus promised abundant life. He brought it. He gave it. And now we can live in him. Amen. Amen? We have to believe it. If we can't, then it makes Jesus a liar. But he is not a liar. He is Lord. And through him... We could do all things. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. He says, You've overcome the, wor- the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can't have abundant life on our own. But we can have abundant life in Christ. We can't have abundant life on our own, but we can have abundant life in Christ. The promise, the picture, the problem, and now the plan for abundant life. Many of you are probably still sitting there thinking, I still don't see how this is even possible. 
Part of the reason is that many don't even understand God's plan for their life. But let me show you what the Bible has to say about who you truly and really are. And why you can and should expect to live an abundant life. I want you to look to the person and say, you are more than enough. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. So are you. And you're more than enough. Let me show you. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Think about creation. Watch this. So if we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27... Right there, we'd see another tremendous aspect of who we are. God says, let us make man in our own image. All the other creatures were created after their kind. But when we come to man, God does not say after their kind. Because now he's doing something infinitely greater. He is making man after his kind. And it says in verse 28 that God blessed them. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. That God blessed them. Now, church, I don't want you to get too big-headed. You're not divine, but you are special. When I was a young man, I used to hear a televangelist that used to say, You are special to God. I knew then how special I was. So the next day on channel 55, I tuned in just says, because he would say, you are special to God. See, many of you might have said, hey, I don't know what I think about, but. Oh, and then he would also say, all the stars said no way to number them. <laughs> you could tell I loved watching Ernest Angley. But, hey, why would I think about this? I was a teenager. I was a boy. And at the end of his special, when he pointed, I didn't care what everything else was going on. I just loved that at the very end he said, you are special. And I, I purposed in my heart that I was going to sound like that someday. And I'm glad that I get to say in this Wonderful live stream session today. Maybe I'll finish the service off with just how special you are. I'm teasing. But, but as I see here that after creation, man sinned. And it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is that salvation, it comes by grace through faith. Now, faith is not just merely believing in God. It's believing to the extent that we do what He says. I'm going to share a story with you. And Back in 1859, there was Charles Blondin. He was actually a tightrope artist. And many of you know the story how he went from the Canadian side to the American side, from the American side back to the Canadian side. And he would... He went across in a regular way. Then he went in a sack. Then he rode a bicycle. And then he did it on stilts. 
Then he even put an oven on, and I don't know how he did that. I, they didn't have TVs and, and iPhones back then to kind of tape what was going on or even video recorders. But he even took a stove and cooked an omelet going across. And he looked at the people and said, which one of you would like to ride in my wheelbarrow as I go across? Well, unfortunately, nobody wanted to do that. But his manager did get on his back as he walked the tightrope over the Niagara Falls. Well, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Here's how you plan for abundant life. When you put your faith and trust in God, He gives you double for your trouble. When you put your faith and trust in God, He gives you double for your trouble. You see... The audience, the onlookers, watched this gentleman walk across back and forth several times. But they didn't have faith enough to believe. They didn't have faith enough to believe that he could carry them in a wheelbarrow across the Niagara. It's much like our Christian life. We have a hard time believing and putting our faith and trust in God to say that, yes, you will provide that your provisions are perfect. That, Lord, I realize that I'm enough. Even His disciples said, you gave more than enough. You gave more fish. You gave more bread. You blessed abundantly. Wow, look at what just happened on that side of the ship. The disciples, they saw, they journeyed with Jesus, yet as they were standing on that seashore, and as they were watching Jesus saying, cast your nets, cast your nets, I'm going to give you more than enough, they lacked in their faith and in their belief. That's much like us. We have limited God. We have put a cap on what He can give us and how good His provisions are. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who in this room enjoys abundant life? Amen. We all do. You enjoy abundant life when you build your house upon the rock. When you have a solid ground. When you have good footing. So in closing this morning, God does not save us and then say, well, now that you're saved, just live however you please. After all, your ways led to happiness, satisfaction, and hope. No, our ways brought sadness, depression, darkness, and hopelessness. And if we are to live the abundant life, we must live according to God's Word. And we can only do that in Christ and in Christ alone. You know, the Scripture says, Be holy, for I am holy. Many years ago, when I was a youth pastor, and I was in youth ministry for 17 years, I took the kids to camp, and it was quite a, a defining moment, and it was, it was fun, and we always looked forward to it. We would decorate the vans, we'd decorate the bus, we'd, we'd make it enjoyable and exciting for the teenagers. We'd pack it out, get them shirts, make it fun and exciting and, you know, so that it was memorable for them so they could look back over their life and see just how good our God is. And I'll never forget this one summer. 
We went to camp and it's down by Cincinnati called Chautauqua. And as we were down at Camp Chautauqua, I noticed the first days I was with a bunch of the guys, the girls were at their cabin. All of us guys unloaded our vans. We, we got into our cabins, got all set up. And as we were walking by, I noticed this gazebo. And in this gazebo, there was a lot of young adults in there. A lot of young people. And when I say a lot, I would say 12 to 15. So there's about 12 or 15 youth that were in there. And something caught my attention. They all had something in common. And the common ground that they had was that they just didn't look socially normal. So I told some of, a, some of the guys and afterwards proceeded to tell Becky and Tracy and some of the counselors that were with us, we have a mission this week. And our mission is, we're going to go to this gazebo and we're going to accept all of these kids. And I remember the one young man that was about six foot two, maybe six four tall, lanky boy. Blonde here. It was, it was out. And he, and he had a dog chain around his neck and, and it hung down to the ground and he would walk around and it would drag the ground. And he had Marilyn Manson shirt on and black pants and... They were baggy and, uh, you know, all of the other kids had multicolored hair, different piercings. And, you know, it, and, and to many of the other teenagers, they would walk by and look at them like, what's wrong with them? And so I approached the gazebo. And as I approached the gazebo, here's what they said. Stop. What are you doing? I said, oh, I was going to come up here and hang out with you guys. They said, no, you're not. And I said, oh, but why? Now, I had made it probably about this far into the gazebo. And the kids was like, because you're not one of us. I said, oh. So I stepped back. And I looked inside that gazebo and I said, I'm not one of you guys. What do you mean? Oh, you just don't understand. You see, my church is from down south. Oh, and my church is from out west. And I'm from Michigan. And I'm from Indiana. And what we've done is we've come together as a team. You see, this is what we do every year. You see, because our youth groups don't accept us for who we are. I said, no way. Now, I'm, I'm listening intently. I said, oh, Thank God. Come on, everybody. Let's get up here and sit with these guys. I've been waiting for this gazebo. Man, alive, I haven't been accepted either. Man, I'm so glad I'm one of you guys. Man, I finally found a place of comfort. Man, there's times in my life I never felt like I was enough. I just felt like I was socially... You know, in my youth group, kids didn't like me. In my public school system, you know what they said? Now, all the kids are they're looking at me. What did they say? I said, they called me preacher boy. They didn't like it that I was sold out and separated for Jesus. Well, then you're not like us. I said, oh, but I am. See, I had to stand alone just like you did. Well, remember the six foot four boy had the 
big blonde afro dyed bleach from peroxide and the, the dog chain that was hanging off of him and he's, he's just watching me and listening to me intently and I said but here's what I've learned I've learned that I'm enough in Jesus oh come on what's your name I said oh my name's Todd where are you from I said oh I'm from up in northeastern Ohio and so I proceeded to tell them that you know this is this is my life. I didn't tell him at that point that I was a youth pastor, but I waited for about a half an hour. And I said, but guys, I will tell you this, because they're like, well, we know you're the youth pastor, and, you know, we see you. And all the other kids are like, come on, hang out with us. You know, just let's all just chum together this week. Well, we walked out of the gazebo, and every time I'd walk by the gazebo, I was like, hi, gazebo kids. They're looking at me like, oh, and he's a weird one. He's a weird youth pastor. But the next day, one got up and they're like, what's going on, Pastor Todd? The next day, another one got up. But within that two-day period, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. We have kitchen duty. We need your help. Would you guys help us in the kitchen? They're like, sure. We'd love to help in the kitchen. Well, one thing about me is, yeah, I do some crazy stuff. And you never knew me as a youth pastor, but there are Things I did sometimes were a little bit crazy. But we would get in there, and as I said last week, we'd be doing, I love Jesus, yes we do. And they would say back, I love Jesus, how about you? Well, I'm like, listen, we've got to let all of those thousand campers out there know that we love Jesus by serving them. So I'd start it off, they'd do it, and we're back there, and, and everybody's shouting and singing, and we had the music blasting, and the workers were all watching, and the kids are back there scrubbing, and all my gazebo kids were with our kids, and now I felt like I was one of the gazebo kids, and we were all like hanging together. It was amazing. They found a place. They felt loved. They felt included. That's what life's about. Well, this past week as I was talking to a couple, they're having some issues with their teenager. And I'm standing right by the registers as you walk into Sam's Club. And they came up and, and I was telling them, you know, a little bit. And God just brought this story to my mind. And it was at this moment that right in front of them, I actually had to stop because God took my breath away. And I started crying right there in the midst of all these people. And I think this couple's looking at me like, oh man, what's wrong? And here's what I told them. You know, Christ is enough. Christ is enough for your daughter. Just love her. Love her, love her, love her, love her, love her, love her. I know that you're going through a difficult time. And in our society today, everybody could be transgender and she doesn't know who she is and she's struggling in that, that whole persona or what they're trying to paint a picture of but I said you need to look at her and say you're enough in Christ we love you God created you just the way you are well we had a great time we it was a blast we loved watching these kids grow it was one night we're singing and worshiping and it's invitation time and it was chapel and all the gazebo kids were not hanging out with our youth group Get this. I even had the bully youth pastor walk up to me and do one of these numbers. Mm-hmm. Why am I youth hanging out with you guys instead of me? I said, well, you 
didn't accept them. You didn't invite them. If they're your kids, why were they hanging out in the gazebo instead of all the activities that take place at this camp because they didn't feel loved and accepted? What does it matter to you? And do not bully me like you've bullied them. Amen? Amen. He didn't say another word and walked back where he was at. But I'll tell you what happened. When we watched that young man and his friends walk out of their seat during all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. And he walked down that aisle and that kid knelt and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It was that defining moment that we knew that the love of Christ was more than enough that we couldn't offer anything to him but the love of Jesus. Amen? That's how good our God is. Well, we had a great time that week. We embraced and we loved on each other. Watch what happened. Amazing grace. My chains are... I've been set free. Watch. We're all leaving. And I'm starting to pull out. Now, some were still packing in a truck and we had our little convoy. But I'll never forget... And this is where it kind of got me a little emotional, probably even right now. But I looked in my rearview mirror and they're like, Pastor Todd, stop! And as I stopped the van, I saw this blonde-headed, six-foot-four lanky guy running. I think he was like sprinting to get to the van. He got to the van, he opened up the door, and that kid hugged me. Bigger than, I don't know that I've ever had a hug that was that tight. And maybe Pat Ballard's hug, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> that was that intimate. And he said, thank you. But you know what I noticed? These chains on his hands were gone. These chains on this arm were gone. The chain around his neck was gone. Everything about his life, his whole demeanor changed. It wasn't this kid who walked around like this. It was a kid who had life and he had it abundantly. Here's my counsel to him. And I'm going to give you this counsel and we're going to close with this thought. Here's what I want you to do, young man. I want you to live your life if I never see you again on this side of eternity. I want you to live a life and I want you to claim this. And I want you to say it. I want you to look at everybody in your youth group. I want you to look at everybody that's ever bullied you. And his home life was just terrible. I want you to look at him, say it with every bit of passion and love that you have within you. Just say this, I am free from what you think of me. I am free from what you think of me. Say that with me. I am free from what you think of me. Are you experiencing abundant life? Do you see that you are more than enough? God loves you. He knows you and He cares for you. Would you walk in Him? Would you have that deep, intimate relationship with Him? And would you just run into the arms of the Savior like the prodigal did? And you know what He said? I am free from what the world thinks of me. That's freeing. That's victory. 
That's more than enough. And that's the love of God. Would you come to Him today? And if you've been struggling, come to the saving grace of Jesus. Because church, you're more than enough. Let's rise to our feet as we pray. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You that, Lord, we can come before You in this place, in this setting, to fill Your Spirit, to fill Your grace, to fill Your love. And Lord, we just, as we stand here today, we just ask that, Lord, You'll just convince us. We've seen the miracles take place. We've lived by faith. But we're just not strong enough to believe that, Lord, You can take our pain, our hang-up, our hurt, and make it better. Lord, we've doubted that faith. But for those that have believed, those that believe they're no longer living in the old life, that they're a new creation, and that they're free from what others think of them, God, let us claim the truth that, Lord, we're enough. And that all provision, all abundance comes from you. Oh God, stir within our hearts and in our lives. Let us see that same hope. Let us deliver the gospel. You've told us whom the Son sets free, we will be free indeed. Thank you, Father God, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to give us life and to give it abundantly. And I know the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. But you've come to give us life and give it abundantly. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the truths in your word. God, give us peace, love, joy, happiness. Help us to not grab the chains that have kept us down. Put them back around our neck and in our lives. But free us, Lord. Deliver us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. And if God is speaking to you this morning, maybe there's been something you've been struggling with, would you come? Would you let the Holy Spirit start to stir within your spirit? Move out of your seat and you give it to God. Let this be your defining moment. Let this be your God story. God loves you. And He died for you for that reason. Let's sing together.